0: Welcome to another American Bankruptcy Institute podcast. I'm Sam Giordano, ABI Executive Director. It's fair to say that the current 115th Congress hasn't had many legislative achievements this year, given the sharply partisan, if not toxic, environment here in Washington. But in late October, something both bipartisan and good happened. As part of a bill to provide some $36.5 billion in badly needed disaster relief to areas devastated by the fall hurricanes, Congress attached legislation to reauthorize 14 temporary bankruptcy judgeships in danger of expiration while creating four new temporary positions in districts of need. Congress funded it with an increase in the quarterly fees charged to Chapter 11 debtors. The last section of the legislation did something else too. It amends the bankruptcy code to treat the tax consequences from the sale of farming property in chapter 12 as a pre-petition claim, not entitled to priority status and thus eligible to be discharged in a plan of reorganization. Joe Pfeiffer is our guest today. He's a lawyer from Cedar Rapids, Iowa, who's been intimately involved in this issue for years and he joins us today to discuss this new development and its impact. So welcome Joe to ABI Podcast.
1: Thank you. It's great to be here.
0: So, In the coming issue of the ABI Journal you write about the tortured history of this legislative fix and we will indeed get into a bit of that narrative but first let's start with the basics. What does this amendment do and what problem does it solve for Chapter 12 debtors?
1: What this amendment does is reverse the United States Supreme Court case, Hall versus United States. And in the Hall case, which came down May 14th, 2012, the Supreme Court held that the taxes that accrue from the sale of farm assets after filing the bankruptcy cannot be afforded special treatment that Congress had put in as part of BAP-SEPA. In part of BAP-SEPA, Congress sought to have the taxes on the sale of farm assets used in the debtor's farming operation treated as a pre-petition unsecured claim. Unfortunately, Congress was inarticulate and the Supreme Court, while being able to understand that that was indeed the intent of Congress, Said that it did not write it in a fashion that would allow the court to determine that the taxes could be deprioritized, and it basically sent it back to Congress to rewrite the statute.
0: Right, and in Congress, in fact, uh, over the years since 2012, uh, has attempted to legislatively overturn Hall, which we should mention uh, was a five-to-four decision, uh, a close close call. Uh, and did deal with statutory interpretation and, uh, as you point out, the imprecision uh, of the language uh, being perhaps contrary to uh, legislative history and legislative intent. So what happened to those efforts to legislatively overturn Hall in, in the past? I take it they, they didn't succeed.
1: None of them succeeded. Uh, in September of 2012, a bill was introduced by Senator Grassley, and Senator Franken. It was assigned to the Senate Finance Committee, where it died at the end of the 112th Congress. Then, in January, I believe, of '13, a new bill was uh, introduced, and that bill uh, was initially assigned to the Senate Finance Committee, and it. Uh, It was then moved to the Senate Judiciary Committee, where it languaged until the end of the 113th Congress. The 114th Congress reintroduced the bill that had been introduced in the 113th Congress. It was assigned to Senate Judiciary and died. And finally, in the 115th Congress, the one we have, uh, Senator Grassley and Senator Franklin reintroduced. The same bill had been introduced in the 113th and 114th Congress on May 25th of this year, and it became uh, essentially the law that was signed by President Trump on October 26th.
0: And happily, the circumstance that helped distinguish this latest effort was, uh, as I mentioned at the outset, the underlying legislation, which was a must-pass item, uh, creating, uh, authorizing disaster funding relief for areas uh, affected by the, by the hurricane. Uh, in addition to that, it also became a vehicle for the judgeship bill, which had also uh, languished over the last couple of Congresses. So that's a bit of how uh, Washington works.
1: Right. Senator Coons and Senator Grassley worked together. Uh, Senator Coons wanted the, from Delaware wanted the bankruptcy judgeships. Senator Grassley wanted the uh, Chapter 12 fix, and so they worked together to negotiate on that, and those two uh, ideas were put together in one bill, and then that bill had passed the Senate and was waiting at the House, and then the House decided they wanted to do the supplemental appropriations, and they wanted a vehicle with which to send it back to the Senate where there would be minimal debate and... This bill happened to be poised and waiting when House appropriations
0: uh, move forward. Right. So sometimes you got to be uh, lucky in the legislative process as well, even for issues that are relatively non-controversial. Um, you know, as this uh, I think was uh, at the at the end of the day, nobody disagreed with the idea that Hall was um, perhaps even if technically correct. Not faithful to the original congressional intent, so there was support for changing the law, but we just needed the appropriate uh, timing and vehicle to do it. So let me ask you, Joe. What what is the? Um, you you describe the the change and and why it's necessary. What's the effective date of this change? Will it help debtors in cases that are pending now?
1: It will help uh, family farmers in Chapter Twelve that have not. Confirmed their plan of reorganization. If a plan of reorganization has been, it was confirmed before October 26th, the effective date of the legislation, this will not affect them. If, uh, and I have four cases right now that were filed in late August, early September, it affects all of them and they can all use this legislation.
0: And so, how does that happen? How do you, if you're a debtor in a case that's still pending, You've got obviously this game-changing result, which changes the bargaining power and dynamic between the government as the principal creditor and the debtor who's trying to reorganize um, and, and uh, get a Chapter 12 plan confirmed. How does that negotiating dynamic change based on public law 115-72?
1: Before 115-72 was enacted, the farmer could not file the bankruptcy then decide that he needs to sell some land or some other farm assets and expect that tax to be dealt with in the Chapter 12. That's what Hall told us. Now, the farmers that are in and have not confirmed their plans can look at it and say, gee, maybe I do need to sell some other things so I can more, uh, I can right size my farm, make it work better. And if they do sell and there is a tax, it will now be deprioritized. The result in Hall was that the tax would, would remain and would be collectible by the IRS at the end of the case, post-discharge. That was a horrible result, which meant that the farmers literally had to conceive of their reorganizational plan or right-sizing in the tax year before they filed their bankruptcy. So it's now late November, mid-November. If a farmer comes to me now under... The law as it was before uh, Public Law 11572, if we needed to sell a farm, we had to close that farm by December 31, since most of my farmers are on calendar year taxes, tax years, close the farm sale, and then we could file a bankruptcy in January and deal with the taxes appropriately. If we didn't get it closed till January 1, and they're on a calendar year, My farmer would have to wait until 2019 to file the bankruptcy to deal with the taxes. That was horrible, especially for the farmers that came in late in the year or early in the following year. And keeping everybody at bay until you could deal with the Chapter 12 was tough. So in many instances, the balance of power, if taxes were an issue, was such that the secured creditor called many of those shots and would be in a position where it would uh, dictate what got sold, and maybe the farmer had to sell more because the secured credit wanted to get paid down further, even though the farmer didn't want to sell. I had one instance where the farmer figured he could sell 60 acres and everything would cash flow. The bank said, no, you'll sell everything but 60 acres. Mm-hmm. He had no choice, no bargaining power. Right Now he has bargaining power.
0: Right. And is that really the long-term effect here that it makes Chapter 12 more of a useful tool um, in in the toolkit of negotiation that is so much a part of of pre-filing considerations?
1: Chapter 12, I believe, now is set to work as it was envisioned by Congress in 1986. Unfortunately, in 1986, there was nothing no provision dealing with the taxes, and that became readily apparent in the first few cases. If the farmer does need the tax relief of Chapter 12, the pre-negotiations probably won't be one that will keep them out of Chapter 12 because we have to deal with the taxes. Mm -hmm. But now knowing that the taxes can be dealt with, provides the farmer with the opportunity to go to the bank and say, yes, I'm going to file a Chapter 12, and I'm going to sell down so this whole thing cash flows. You're going to get your money creditor, and I'm not worried about the IRS or the State Department of Revenue. Right. And it can make the profit much less contentious than it was before. Many times the farmer would be unwilling to sell because they'd rather deal with the devil they know the bank than the devil, they didn't know the IRS. Mm-hmm. Now we can deal with both of the problems—that of the taxing authority and of the secured creditor—in one case.
0: Right. It does allow you to treat holistically the other stakeholders,
1: much more so than we've ever had before.
0: Right. 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 And I think that's the—that is the big takeaway from uh, from this new law and. Uh, really for a relatively small uh, provision tacked on at the end of a very long, uh, unrelated bill. Uh, I I think, as your article points out, um, that uh, tortured uh, history um, may all be worth it for a whole uh, new generation of uh, family farmers trying to stay in business and to reorganize and to right-size their farming operations
1: wholeheartedly agree. And given the fact that we're now in our fourth year of low crop prices, it couldn't have come at a better
0: time for the family farmers. All right. Well, we'll be grateful for that uh, this coming Thanksgiving. Um, I, I recall as, as somebody who worked on the uh, 86 uh, amendments that became Chapter 12, uh, I, as I recall, they became effective on uh Thanksgiving Day of 1986, as it uh, as it turned out, and uh,
1: November 26, 1986,
0: <laughs> and so this could be another uh, year where uh, truly Thanksgiving has a, a meaning for people in rural America. Well, Joe, that's all, all the time we have for today. I want to thank you very much. Uh, um, Joe's with Ag and Business Legal Strategies in Iowa. Uh, Thank you for joining us. Congratulations on uh, this legislative achievement. I know you were intimately involved working with the Senate staff um, to make this happen. And we encourage interested listeners to read his article in the forthcoming December issue of the ABI Journal, which also contains the new statutory language uh, that we've discussed and another feature about Chapter 12's 30-year history as part of the bankruptcy code. And check out our newsroom section while you're there at abi.org to access our archive of over 200 podcasts on bankruptcy topics. So thanks, Joe, for being with us. You're welcome. And until next time, this is Sam Giordano on behalf of the American Bankruptcy Institute saying thanks for listening and have a great day.